morning, church. Thank you, um, Sinaba. Thank you, um, Bethany and Christina, for navigating us through the service this morning so far. Um, we, we're going to be starting a new series this week. Um, and over the last two or so weeks, we have put it out to you, um, Fellowship City, to send us suggestions on things that you have heard people say uh, and maybe questioned whether Jesus actually said that. Um, and we got an amazing response um, from you. And therefore, over the next few weeks, we're going to spend time looking at those suggestions. Um, we're going to use the most repeated suggestions from you um, to look at what the Bible actually said. Um, so I would ask that you join us on this journey. Join us as we look through these suggestions. Um, today is episode one of season one. So there will be another season. Today is episode one of season one. The, the episode is... God won't give you more than you can handle. Um, so we're going to be looking at scripture together, throw out what Jesus really said. And we're going to use a few different scriptures to understand why people say certain things about Jesus and to hear from Jesus himself as he guides us on what he really said. As we get ready to go through the scriptures, we need the Holy Spirit to guide us. So let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for a day such as this is where we get to fellowship, sing your praises, hear your word, and be reminded about Christ and his finished work on the cross. I pray against any distractions this morning. I pray that as we engage your scriptures, that your Holy Spirit would point us to your word, your commands, and your cross. I pray that a fire is lit in us for you, Lord Jesus, by your Holy Spirit to make much of you where you have placed us. May your people hear you speak and hearts turn to you in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning we're looking at episode one. And in this episode, we are looking at something that people say very often, which is God won't give you more than you can handle. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at different suggestions that have come out from you, Fellowship City, when we asked for suggestions on what we could use as part of the series. So as we do that, our roadmap for this evening, or our roadmap for this morning, sorry, is we're going to look at where the statement comes from. So we're going to try and establish from where in the Bible the statement comes from. Then we're going to dissect that statement and help us understand the different parts of the statement, also to make sure that we understand collectively some of the words that form part of that statement. To look, we're also going to then look at a few practical examples that apply to our new understanding of the statement. Then in conclusion, we're going to understand what God really said and what it means for us here and now. So let's taxi off the runway. Let's understand where the statement comes from. Before we do, I just want to say something. This is a very commonly used statement. Some of us have used it um, to comfort friends and family. I also want to say that I know some who are here and watching this 
um, or even on YouTube are going through real difficult times, whether it be because of job security, because of health, financial burdens, relationship difficulties, confusion about life, or merely stuck in sin or depression. So I know that many of us are going through real difficult times. Some of us are either going into a difficult season, coming out, or um, in a season. I think that we are often, when we're trying to communicate this, when we use a statement, we are trying to communicate that God is with you. Um, we're trying to communicate that whatever you're going through, it won't break you. We're trying to communicate that you are strong. We're trying to communicate that you must trust in God through the season. That is what we're trying to communicate, and that is great. It is great to encourage someone, or it's great to want to give hope. But let's look at the statement and what God said. So where does it come from? So that is the, test, the teaching text that Sanaba read for us. So no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. This sounds familiar. This sounds very close to God won't give you more than you can handle. 1 Corinthians uses the same word, temptation, which is perasmos in the Greek. Perasmos originates from the word Perazo, which is the same word used for test. So then we can read this statement as no test or temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and will not let you be tested or tempted beyond your ability. So that is where we get the statement. So just context of the letter that we're in, we're in 1 Corinthians. This letter is written by Apostle Paul to the church in Corinth a somewhat cosmopolitan town with different people from different walks of lives and backgrounds. So basically a crossroads, if you want to picture this. So the Corinthians are specifically, the Corinthians specifically struggled with different sins, namely worshiping different gods, idolatry and sexual immorality. This is the context in which Paul is writing this to the Corinthians. It's important to note what Paul is not saying here. Paul is not saying God is orchestrating temptation, tests, or hardship in your life. He isn't saying God is making things happen to you or that everything happens for a reason. That's not what Paul is saying here. Paul is rather saying temptation is real. He's saying we are tempted to do things that are bad for us or maybe others and sometimes for both others and ourselves. So we live in Centurion, um, and whenever I head to the shops, particularly checkers um, at the Centurion Mall, to get some essentials, as I walk in right by the door, there's a prepared food section. I seem to always get lost and deviate to the chicken strips as part of the essentials of my shopping list. Just a small pack. Um, I am the author of my temptation, not God. I'm the author of my taste not God. So God did not make the chicken strips so good to test me. God isn't sitting around and thinking poverty, greed, racism as temptation, and then thinks what next? God isn't sitting around thinking, Lesefo is going to check us. Chicken strips for you. God is not orchestrating temptation, tests or hardships in our lives. So let's break down that statement. Let's break down the words that form part of that statement to better understand it. 
1 Corinthians 10, 13, that's where we, we found the statement. God won't give you more than you can handle. Let's break down the words. As we read the statement, it starts with God won't give you more. What does the you in the statement mean? That's a good question. Thanks for asking. Does it mean you as an individual and your individual the independence? Does God consider your independence? Does God consider your track record? Does God include your resources to make sure that everything that you face is within those boundaries? So does God consider your track record, your, your resources and your independence? Or does you mean in this context, dependence on God? Does it mean you in the ability of God given to you through grace? We'll come back to that one. The statement also ends with more than you can handle. What does handle mean? A Google search says handle is a verb and equates to managing a situation or problem. Synonyms of this is control or operate. So if we understand handle to mean managing a situation or problem, does it then mean you will never fail at anything? Does it mean you won't lose your job? Does it mean you won't suffer loss of a loved one? Does it mean Bafana Bafana not qualifying for the African Nations Cup or the World Cup? Does it mean you won't struggle with greed or sexual purity? Any sin for that matter. Does it mean when you find the toothpaste squeezed from the middle or rolled up from the top, you won't lose your temper? Or if you find all the ingredients of a sandwich on the counter with no one in sight, you won't lose your temper? Does it mean that you will not handle opening your e-toll bill? Or does it mean that you won't fail to the point of no return, that you won't fail to the point of no repentance or reconciliation with God? Let's see if we can find both those answers in this passage, in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, both what you means and what handle means as we are trying to unpack this statement. So if you remember, 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, no test or temptation has overtaken you that's not common to man. God is faithful and will not let you be tested or tempted beyond your ability. The passage says God is faithful and will not let you be tempted or tested and seems not to be linked to our individual independence or track record or resources. This seems to be linked to the ability of God given to you through grace. So God doesn't leave us to handle the tests on past experience and track record. God doesn't say, I am depending on you to use your resources without depending on grace, unmerited favor. He's saying, I'm giving you favor and you are independent of my powers of help. He gives us grace and walks through it with us. We see the same idea in a few places in the same letter. So let's, let's zoom in a little bit into those places we see. 2 Corinthians 9, 8 says, God is able to make all grace abound to you. So that having all sufficiency in all things, you may excel in every good work. 
This means God can pour on the blessings in astonishing ways so that you're ready for anything and everything, more than just ready to do what needs to be done. So let's think of it this way. In every test or temptation, remembering the Greek word, birazo, God enables us and equips us. He grants us grace and doesn't just say, you have resources, go on, get on with it. We see this again in 1 Corinthians 15.10. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and this grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Paul is plainly saying, if he passes any test, it is not I, but the grace of God in him. This is overwhelming evidence that you in this statement does not refer to your individual track record. But it is you who has the favor of God, not because of anything you have done, but because of Christ in you, because you have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and his finished work on the cross. Then you have sovereign grace and the power of God is with you. So because we understand what you means through the lens of 1 Corinthians 13. Let's look at what handle means. The second part of 1 Corinthians 10, 13 speaks about not being tested beyond your ability. I know all the individuals with a teaching gift have been waiting for me to get to the second part of, of verse 13. So let's go there. No test, temptation, has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and will not let you be tested or tempted beyond your ability. But with the test, he will provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. So it looks like handle here does not mean that we will not fail. It means that we may fail, but we will still return to God we will be able to repent and return to God if we do fail because God will draw us to himself. So he won't let us sin our way into damnation. Let's zoom out again and see if we see the same idea. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 1 verse 8. He, he will also strengthen you to the end so that you will be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8. He will also strengthen you to the end so that you will be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's look at Luke, Luke chapter 22, verses 31 to 32. And we read a similar piece of text last week. Um, through the Gospel of Matthew, when Reina was teaching us about the empty tomb equals new everything through our Easter message. If you missed that sermon, you can catch it on YouTube. But in Luke chapter 22, verse 31 to 32, it says, Simon, Simon, look out. Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And you, when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Simon Peter fails, but he 
still has grace. He fails, but is able to repent and turn back. He has grace because he put his faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And therefore, he is able to turn back to God. So let's recap where we are. We have come to better understand that Jesus never said God won't give you more than you can handle. Jesus never said that. He rather says, whatever you are going through, remember there is grace from God who loves you and walks with you through the most difficult trials. Even if you fail, he loves you, will strengthen you and turn you back to himself. Let's see in the whole Bible if we can see more examples that point to God not saying the statement, that point to God not saying he won't give us more than we can handle. I encourage you to read Judges 7. When you see Judges 7 or read Judges 7, you see Gideon who says he's the weakest of his clan. That's how he perceives himself. Gideon says he's the weakest of his clan. But Gideon in Judges 7 takes on the Midian soldiers, a hundred thousand of them. But he takes them on with 300 soldiers. If there is ever a case of facing something more than you can handle, but relying on grace and God being with you, this would be the case. This would be it. Gideon starts with an army of 32,000 soldiers, which God judges to be large. God says this is too large. Then Gideon's army moves to less than that, moves to 10,000, because 22,000 soldiers are removed. So Gideon is now attempting to take on 100,000 army or 100,000 soldiers with only 10%. God says this is still too large. Gideon and, and Pura is Gideon's helper, see to a process to remove more and are only left with 300. Can you imagine this? Surely it's too hard to handle. Surely it's too much to handle. It's taking, it's like taking a slingshot to face a giant that has defeated many. Gideon and Pura are silent at this point. Pura mentions that 300 is like, is the number that would be used to guard the baggage or the luggage of the 100,000. So how are we going to take on 100,000 with only 300? That's a great question. It is with grace from God, with grace and comfort in knowing that even if you fail, God will not let you fail to the point that you're not able to repent, return or be reconciled to himself. Grace and peace in knowing that God has given you a way out. Trust him and call out to him. I encourage you to read Judges 7, but ultimately the army of 300 defeats the Midian army. That is surely too much to handle. King David, overwhelmed by his sin, just another example, overwhelmed by his sin, the sin in his life, in Psalm 38 verse 48 says, for my iniquities are flooded over my head. They are a burden too heavy for me to bear. My wounds are foul and festering because of my foolishness. I am bent over and brought very low. All day long, I go around in mourning, for my insides are full of burning pain. There is no soundness in my body. I am faith and severely crushed. I groan because of the anguish in my heart. That's a very bleak picture. He, 
this is surely too much for him to handle. He says that in verse 4. They are a burden too heavy for me to burden, to bear. A burden too heavy for me to bear. Last example. Let's look at Jesus. Mark chapter 14, verse 33. Jesus says, I am deeply grieved to the point of death. This is Jesus at Gethsemane before he's betrayed and dies on the cross in your and my place. What does Jesus do? He prays. He cries out to God. He is deeply grieved to the point of death. I could drop the mic here. That's overwhelming evidence that God can give us more than we can handle. But why would he do that? Why would he do that? That's another great question. He would do that to help us or remind us to depend on him, to teach us to call on him. It's easy not to call on God or depend on God when things are going well, when things are going great. We spent a lot of time in Corinthians, one more passage from Corinthians as we land the plane. Second Corinthians 12, Paul speaks about asking the Lord to remove a thorn in his flesh. That's a rabbit hole that I'm not going to jump in. But in verses 9 to 10, Paul says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will most gladly boast all the more about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may reside in me. So I take pleasure in my weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and in difficulties. For the sake of Christ, for when I am weak, then I am strong. In John 16, verse 33, Jesus says, you will have suffering in this world. Be courageous. I have conquered the world. So God is doing this so that we can depend on him, to teach us to call on him. He has conquered the world. We will, save, we will face difficulties or, or tough times. Last week, we were reminded that Jesus' death and resurrection are the cornerstone of what we believe. He has conquered the world, as we see in John 16. His selfless act of obedience, when burdened to the point of death, his death and resurrection gives us life. If we put our faith and trust in his finished work on the cross, then we know that his grace is sufficient for us. His power is made perfect in our weakness. We will all go through trials, face tests and temptation, and some will be bigger than you can handle. Some of you know that my family has gone through a tough time in the last few weeks, particularly in the space of health. It was more than we could handle. However, we could call out to God. His grace was sufficient to us. He brought many of you along to us, to support us, to love us, to comfort us. We had a family saying, lean on us, and he provided a way for us. His grace was sufficient for us, and his grace is sufficient for you. So what can we do with this? What can we do with the fact that this statement, God never really said? What can we do with his grace is sufficient for us and sufficient for you? What does it mean for us here and now today? It means if you've put your faith and trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross, if you believe that he is Lord and Savior of your life, then his grace is sufficient for you. It means whatever you are going through, he is there. He's holding your hand and he will give you a way out, a way out of sin, a way out of feeling alone, a way out of depression, financial difficulties, relationship hardships, 
or lockdown due to COVID, which has caused many distress, depression, and anxiety, and continues to do so. He wants you to speak to him in prayer, to cry out to him. He has given you everything you need. Sometimes and more often, you will have your Christian family there as well and friends. They will be all that you need. They will be part of what God brings to support and love you. Let them in. Let them in to love and serve you through what you're going through. Let them play. Don't let the busyness of life, a dirty house or kitchen, or shame stop you from reaching out. God has given them to you also. It also means if you have not put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, then his promise does not apply to you. But there is great news. There is hope. Jesus Christ wants to have a personal relationship with you. He wants this promise to apply to you. He loves you and has died on the cross for your sins. He wants you to know him as Lord and Savior. If this is you, if you have not put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and you want to know more about Jesus, send me a private message now on Zoom, or if you're listening on YouTube, send an email to Community at Fellowship City. Someone will be waiting to reach out to you. Lastly, if you are going through a difficult time and want someone to pray with, please send me a private message on Zoom. Then after the service, there'll be people who are ready and willing to stand firm with you in prayer. In a moment, as we end off our, uh, and, and close of the sermon part of our, our service, Morene will be praying for us. However, before he does, I, I believe we need a moment of silence. I encourage you to continue to pray quietly in your heart during this moment. Um, you may want to tell God where you are, um, or you may also want to pray for others you know are going through a difficult time. Maybe going through more than what they can handle. After a few moments of silence, after a few moments of quiet, after a few moments of you speaking to God and telling him where you are, Christina will play the bridge and chorus of oceans. You don't have to sing along. Um, you can continue to pray in your hearts, continue to tell God where you are. Or you can sing quietly. And after a few moments of, of Christina playing, then Morandini will pray for us. Let us pray, church. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning to thank you that you are a God who, who hears our prayers, that you are a God who hears our cries, and that you're a God who talks to us. You talk to us through your word, you talk to us through your spirit, and you also talk to us through, through people, through people in our lives, Lord. And so after a word and after a message like this, Lord, after reading through scriptures around uh, a statement and a question that we often hear, and, and, and oftentimes it's with good intentions, Lord, I pray that we may be encouraged this morning as we have heard the truth of your word. Mm. Thank you for using Lesovo this morning to speak to us, Father. The reason we wrestle with a statement like that is because this life is difficult. It often is so heavy, Lord. We go through so much. 
And this morning, Lord, as a church, we're aware that each of us are in different places and each of us are going through different things and through different difficulties, Lord, things that are known and things that are not known. I pray that you may meet your people where they are this morning, Lord Jesus. I pray, Heavenly Father, that for those who have been longing for a touch from you, Lord, that you may touch them this morning, Father. Send people their way, Lord. We read this morning that, that, that you, you, you instructed us and you said, come to me, all those who are weary and heavy laden, and you will give us rest. So this morning as a church, Lord, we lift individuals up to you, Father. For those who are going through things that they feel are too much for them to handle and too much for them to bear, Lord, we pray for breakthrough and deliverance this morning, Lord. We pray that you may stir it in our spirit, stir it in their spirit, Lord, to reach out to someone, to ask for help, to ask for an ear. And Lord, as a church, allow us to be open to responding to people who say, I need help. You said to your disciples when you sent them out, they shouldn't worry about the words that they need to speak, for the Spirit will go before them and speak. Give us words to speak, Lord. Give us wisdom to know what to say and how to say. And so this morning as a church, we say thank you. We lift up your name. We praise your name, Lord Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, that as we see throughout Scripture, that many faithful servants of yours have failed, have fallen, have made mistakes. And yet equally we see that your grace continues to be sufficient as Lesoho noted. You give us your grace. You provide the way that we may, we may be able to escape it. You remind us that where sin abounds, grace abounds even more, Lord Jesus. So this morning we pray for grace. We thank you for grace. May we embrace your grace, Lord Jesus. And we thank you that you're a God who continues to walk with us every step of the way. We love you. We praise you. And we pray all these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.